Yes, welcome back to the Bus Bot Scottish Football Podcast. Another packed weekend of action in the Premiership. Lots and lots to discuss. I am Hamish Carton. He is Matt Finlay. Well done. I, th- I thought I was meant to come in there. I wasn't sure. So, uh, no, Hamish, thanks for having me back on. Uh, good to be back on. No, it's good to have you back on. Callum Fisher, the Bus Bot regular, as of late, makes another start appearance. Glad to be here again, Hamish, keeping up the consistent performances, I hope, and uh, I feel like I've, uh, I've I've picked a good weekend to stay on the podcast after what unfolded on, on Sunday, especially. Yes, lots and lots to talk about. Over the next, what, 40 minutes or so, we're going to look back at all the weekend's action. Five games, of course, rather than six, but we'll come on to the reason for that. Not pointing any fingers, but it's maybe something to do with the, the Northerners up there, but we'll come on to that fiasco, if we can call it a fiasco, later on. Uh, also another, you know, various bits of news, a lots of cup draws made on Monday, both European and Betfred as well, and also a midweek fixture card as well, guys, so we'll take a quick look at that at the end of the show. But, seeing as you're returning to the show, Matt Finlay, you can start us off with what game you want to talk about from the weekend. Um, probably the big the big Sky one, uh, Kelly Celtic. Um, it's a good game, I actually quite enjoyed it. I was able to tune in, it's the first time I'd be able to properly... Uh, get the full sense of Sky's product. I mean, I watched the Rangers Aberdeen game last week, but I watched it in a pub that didn't have any sound. So um, for me to be able to kind of watch this was quite interesting. And um, yeah, a good, a good point for uh, for Kelly, um, especially given the way that Celtic had obviously performed last week. Yeah, it was um, a well-deserved point for Kilmarnock, especially after they went behind so early. I thought Celtic started the game pretty well, actually. And then... Kilmarnock got their equaliser, terrible bit of defending from Christopher Julian, gives away the penalty, an absolute stonewall penalty, Chris Burke slots it away, Barkas going the right way but not really getting too near it, really good penalty from Chris Burke and from then on you probably count the, the chances either side had on one finger um, because there, there really wasn't much Celtic for a team that we really thought were, were going to start the season on, on fire after the way they performed against Hamilton last weekend really really disappointing stuff um, from my point of view and yeah um, Christopher Julian will probably take most of the headlines for his performance but I think in many ways that's unfair because you could have picked any of the other nine outfielders and some of the subs that came on as well as players that just really failed to turn up in the afternoon and yes we're only two weeks into a 38 game season long long way to go and I don't think any of us will be making any mad predictions on today's show but um, concerning stuff for Celtic yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I thought overall Kilmarnock were excellent. Um, they were very disciplined defensively. And as you kind of alluded to there, Hamish, they, they did keep Celtic at a distance, to be honest. I mean, there's not really any clear-cut chances in the game. Um, I think certainly in the second half, McGregor's effort on his right foot was kind of as good yeah. as it got for, for, for Celtic. Attacking-wise, though, in terms of Kilmarnock, I thought they were, they were dangerous. And in the, in the, as you mentioned again with uh, with Julian and uh, Kabamba, it caused Celtic defence a lot of issues. And I think it was more of a return to the Kilmarnock that we've seen over the past couple of years. Obviously, last season against Celtic, I think they lost all three games, 3-1. Um, it was, and, and don't get me wrong, they caused Rangers problems as well. But th- that was more the kind of Kilmarnock that we're used to, particularly at Rugby Park against the old firm. Celtic-wise, as you mentioned, Julian's a standout in terms of how bad he was. I mean, Kabamba is all over him. I thought he was absolutely excellent. Um, and his hold-up playing quick feet, even when the penalty were superb. But Celtic just didn't look, didn't look like they could get anything going. 
even Edward was was pretty anonymous. I know he had yeah. a couple of efforts on goal, but you know, from Celtic's point of view, that's your main man, and particularly in games, tough games like that, where you're maybe not playing well, you're looking for somebody like Edward to to dig you out of a hole, and um, yeah, Celtic were just just nowhere near it. And I actually think, I mean, Danny Rogers should be doing better with Christie's effort from the free kick, but I think maybe if they don't make the breakthrough, Kilmarnock could have actually seen out that game and, and maybe taken all three points, but but very very poor from Celtic. And as you said, but nobody's going to say, you know, I'm not going to hoist out the fifty five gift or anything mm. like that uh, from a Rangers Save point that of view. Jolly yeah, <laughs> certainly. But I mean, f- for Celtic to be, albeit it is very, very early to to drop points at this early stage, is very uncharacteristic. And certainly, if you are a Celtic fan, you have to be concerned with with what you saw yesterday. I think that's the right way to put it. And and you know, from a Celtic fan's point of view, I think concerned is the the perfect emotion, frustration as well. For me personally, I, I don't know if there's there's not you know massive massive worries because it is so early in the season and, and no one's expecting Rangers to win all 38 games and um, you know romp the league or anything so there is such a long way to go and I think like last season there's going to be so many twists and turns teams dropping points teams winning games you maybe weren't expecting them to win derby matches that kind of thing but yeah it's concerning two weeks into a season that's such a big campaign for Celtic that we weren't up for the game at Rugby Park, I just thought it was um, a pretty inept performance. As I say, I could run through the whole team. I think Julian takes a lot of the um, headlines, as I say, from the match, but his defensive partner, Christopher Ayer, was pretty poor as well, and for me, equally bullied by Kabamba. The two fullbacks saw a lot of the ball, but did very little, and I think the fact that both Frimpong and Taylor were both taken off by Neil Lennon spoke volumes as well. Scott Brown should have been taken off much earlier, and uh, replaced by Olivier and Cham. He eventually was 80 minutes in. I think most Celtic fans would think that was half an hour too late and it should maybe have been done at half-time. But um, interesting nonetheless that Scott Brown was taken off by Neil Lennon, Matt. Um, do you think that maybe in Cham could see more action now from the start, given the way Brown played on, on Sunday, or is that a, an overreaction? Um, possibly. I mean, it, it's just the way that obviously... He- I think a lot of Celtic fans are big fans of Incham and especially this year given the the importance of of the 10th the title and Brown's obviously been there for all of them you expect him to still be able to slot in and do a job like there's going to be I think 70% of the games at least he's going to be able to still be a crucial part of that team but there are some games where you know particularly if Celtic if it's not going Celtic's way and that that maybe Brown isn't going to be the man because he's not really a man to pop up with goals you know um and Cham kind of has that. He's got that. He's got more legs to kind of go forward and all that. And so certainly, I mean, it's something to be con- to be considered. Like I said, though, I I think Brown will still be able to breeze through most games. And um, it's just about picking those moments. I mean, one thing I did notice, just judging by the Celtics uh, Celtic support on Twitter from the ones that I follow, they um, th- there doesn't seem to be enough depth sort of the Celtic support. Like, I mean, uh, one of my f- uh, friends was put on Twitter just saying about how. Like Forrest even should have been off, but then who comes on for Forrest? You know, you yeah. you still get like the likes of Dembele. He's still like eighteen, but you know, you know he's he's all there and he's a lot hyped about him. But realistically, you're looking through that team and you know what's you know that maybe I don't know maybe maybe they just haven't invested quick enough. But then that also is 
a sign of the times as well potentially so um yeah, I, yeah, yeah. It's a concerning part of the team because you, you rightly you pick out James Forrest, uh, the two centre backs who I touched on as well. If they're having a poor game, who's going to step in and, and come in for them, or who's going to start instead of them? Even midfield, Callum McGregor's a brilliant player, but if he's having a poor game, like he he had a quieter game on Sunday, who's coming in for him? Who's coming in for Brown? Um, even up top, who's coming in for Edward if Edward gets an injury or something like that? Klamala looks hungry and good, but he's you know a fair bit away from being the finished article but then you would argue that Celtic do have players because they've got Lee Griffiths in the squad who's nowhere to be seen he's a passenger at the moment um, Tom Rogic, when was the last time he was seen? He's a passenger, Mikey Johnson's another one just really injury prone so Celtic do have the players there but not many of them are available now on, on the fringes but it's massively concerning for Celtic for, from my point of view but then equally you know, these results do happen in a season. You look back at last season, we lost away to Livingston, shock result. We lost uh, the Derby match against Rangers, and at the time for me, that was a shock result. And after both of those games, we went on long winning runs. So, just hopefully, from my point of view, we can get back to doing that. Um, just finish on, Kelly. I know you touched on them briefly, Fisher, but signs that they could have a good season under um, Alex Dyer because they got a good result yesterday. They were without. Uh, Eamon Brophy, they've also had problems with their goalkeeper as you touched on, the snowman also messages in saying um, effectively how long is it going to be before Kilmarnock sign a goalkeeper who isn't going to chuck in a goal a game obviously after <laughs> Danny Rogers goalkeeping and uh, the boy Eastwood um, in the, the first game of the season, he's now injured so they could probably do a goalkeeper but positive signs in, in general for Kelly. Yeah, absolutely. As as I kind of mentioned, I thought tactically yesterday they got it spot on, and they were very hard for Celtic to to break down, and and they they did what you want to do. I think against um, Celtic and Rangers, you want to ask them the questions of we're just going to sit and make it tough for you, see what we can get when we go forward. But defensively, um, you, you try and give uh, the the kind of big two teams nothing, and Kamalat did that. But as I said, they looked really really good defensively. I thought. Eh, sorry, going forward, I thought every time they did go forward, um, they looked like they could score. They certainly, to me, looked slightly more dangerous in the second half than Celtic did uh, and, and posed them problems. I mean, as I said, last season, um, Kilmarnock probably, uh, it was difficult after finishing third um, to kind of improve on that from Kilmarnock's point of view. I think this season, so far, they, they should have got something at Easter Road last week and they were well worthy of their, of their point, if not three, uh, yesterday. So I think it could be a return um, to form for Kilmarnock and certainly, as we'll, as we'll come to with the situation with Aberdeen, um, you know, Motherwell making a bit of a sticky start. It's wide open for them to, to really challenge to, to finish high in that top six. And to be honest, I, I really do like Alex Dyer. He comes across very well. These teams are very organised and, and they do have some real quality players in there. So I, I would expect them to, to have a good season. Um, there may be the odd wobble there, but this this just shows that this Kilmarnock team is, is just as good uh, as, as any team over the past couple of years, certainly since Steve Clark came in. Yes, Kilmarnock go to Ross County on Wednesday evening, so an interesting game there. We'll just uh, touch on the other game that took place on Sunday now. It was Rangers against St Mirren. Two 100% records going into that match. Of course, just one game prior to that. But Rangers won this really comfortably. A early goal and an own goal. And then um, two goals from Alfredo Morelos in the second half. Interesting to read some comments from Stephen Gerrard Fisher saying that he had a private chat with Morelos after his performance um, and perhaps his work rate in the mm. Europa League game against Bayer Leverkusen. We don't obviously know exactly what was said there. You can probably have a rough... 
um, guess, but whatever was said, it seems to have worked. Yeah, I mean, the, the Leverkusen game, Morelos, not that he was the only one, but Morelos was, was really, really poor. He, he looked miles off it, um, which is, I mean, considering how good he was in the Europa League last season for the most part, um, it was quite disappointing. But I thought yesterday um, he was a lot better, his movement. Um, he was getting into the positions that you're kind of that you want to see Morelos in, peeling off the striker more, uh, as you see for, um, he, he's had a chance in the first half prior to us going one nothing up. Um, and then he's in he's in the right position for his two goals. I mean, his headers are really good header, the defending isn't great, but the run from Morelos is good. And then his run to the back post for the tap in for the third is, um, is really impressive. So, I mean, just solely on Morelos, that four we scored four goals um, this season, and Morelos has been involved in some way or another in all of them. So, I think it shows that he is still contributing. Um, I thought it was very routine from Rangers yesterday. Saint Mirren didn't really do much. Jack Anik had a, a very good game, some really impressive stops. To be honest, um, I think he can be considered Saint Mirren's man of the match in in that regard. But um, Rangers last season were quite good at making routine games quite difficult uh, and we didn't do that yesterday um, wouldn't say there were any particular standouts Manelos is obviously good because he's got his goals but I thought it was just a very consistent kind of 7 out of 10 performance and if we are to challenge for the league that's uh, this season this is that's the kind of uh, results that Rangers do need um, particularly at Ibrox there's obviously been a, a lot of chat about Morelos leaving the club this summer. I don't know exactly where it stands at the moment uh, because it seemed maybe a week or two ago like it was pretty much a certainty. Uh, various things we're hearing from France to do with UEFA bans and stuff like that perhaps suggest that he may not be going to Lille, but obviously there's more clubs in Lille out in Europe that may be interested in him this summer. Rangers have brought in two strikers, Matt, so... It possibly looks like Morelos will be going, but if he does go, he showed on Sunday that he's going to be badly missed. Oh no, definitely. I mean, I, I mean, Gerard also saying that he's kind of almost back to kind of what what it was, you know, before the lockdown. Well, sorry, say that again. Before like December, because you know after mm-hmm. after Christmas, he really. I always think it was maybe after that cup final. I think his confidence was just a bit shot and kind of really struggled like going into the new year. So. You know, having Morelos back, having a, a good Morelos back is, is only beneficial for Rangers. I think they are preparing for him to leave. I mean, the, the signing of Roof and Pesetler kind of suggests that. Um, obviously, Defoe is still kind of out as well. So they've got a lot of talent up front. And, you know, if he goes, I think they'll be okay with the Roof. But obviously, you don't really know, you know, you know, it's, it's hard to just hit the ground, hit the ground running in any league. So, um but yeah, as you said, like he would be, he would be best because you saw the just I think sports scene kind of highlighted it, um yesterday the the kind of the runs that he's making these kind of like, you know he, he kind of looked up for it and I think when Rangers are playing well he's really in the mood for it you know like um so you you, you take it you take it as it is but um for Rangers sake hopefully I I, I don't know what Callum thinks but um certainly you'd be wanting to kind of keep a hold of him even if it was until January to just to kind of. Can I steady the ship a wee bit up front? Yeah, I mean, I think at this stage we, we probably just need a, a definite answer and unfortunately if he stays, it's not as if we are going to get a definite answer. Do you know what I mean? He, he is eventually going to move on. I think yesterday um, yesterday he was he was very good and I thought Pedroja last week he was, he was decent as well. 
I just think we need some form of conclusion. I would agree that Roof and, and Cedric Eaton coming in um, is definitely a sign that we're at least preparing for Morelos to move on. I mean, Gerard said um, yesterday after the game that um, already in training he's seen that Itano have a big big part to play this season and obviously Roof, um, given he's, he's played for Leeds and Anderlecht and, and is obviously a quality player, um, you would imagine would as well. Uh, and Defoe's back in full training this week too. So I think, um, yeah, uh, to, as good a player as Morelos has been, I've always maintained that, of course, we will miss him because he's probably been the best player we've seen at Ibrox since maybe, you know, Jelovic. And mm. trust me, there's been a lot of, a lot of rubbish uh, in between. But um, we will miss him. Don't, don't get me wrong, we will miss him. But if the money's right and we uh, invest it properly, which I think this summer so far with the players we brought in from what we've seen, um, we've certainly uh, made a good start in the transfer market. So I would have confidence in the club to reinvest the money properly um, because I still think we need we certainly need another central midfielder. If the money's right, uh, and obviously I think Morelos... Uh, would probably want to move on uh, if it is if it is a team from can one of the big four leagues or whatever, uh, and we reinvest it properly. Then I'm not going to say I'm going to be happy, but I'll be content because I think um, it can. I think Morelos going could be the catalyst for us to bring one or two more quality players in, and, and that can make all the difference, particularly if Itton and and Roof um, come in and, and do well, which we obviously hope that they do. So, yeah, it's it's. Uh, it, it's a strange one at the moment, as say it's gonna. It seems to have gone a wee bit quiet, but then the French window opens at the end of the week, so I suppose <laughs> we'll just we'll wait and see. But I've got a feeling we'll probably be talking about this in a couple of podcasts uh, yet before he eventually does leave. Yeah, it's got a feel about it. One of those summer sagas. In terms of Sunday, good day for the two home teams. Good results for them there. Saturday was very much a day that belonged to the away teams, though. Victory for Ross County away to Hamilton, 1-0. Dundee United away to Motherwell by the same scoreline. And then Hibernian winning 4-1 away to Livingston. Brilliant result. Matt, which one of those three do you want to talk about? Um, I think Dundee United. Uh, I think it's quite a significant result for them, so I'll probably go for, for that. Yeah, um, Reynolds scoring the winner against his former boyhood club. <laughs> Not so long ago, he was obviously playing at Fur Park. Really good victory for Dundee United. Four points from six for them to start the season. I was listening to Mickey Mellon's comments after the game and quite liked it. He wasn't treating Dundee United as a team that are just up in the league and should be happy to beat teams like Motherwell. He was very much saying these are the kind of results we should be getting. We're Dundee United. We're the fifth or the sixth biggest club in uh, the country or in the league, certainly at the moment. And we should be winning these kind of games. And I quite like that. He's a guy who's clearly got good ambitions and he's not going to settle um, for Dundee United just finishing you know, 8th or ninth and avoiding relegation this season he's going to want them to push into the top 6 judging from what he was saying and I suppose if they're getting results like winning at Fur Park on Saturday they're going to have a chance obviously the, the biggest positive you can or the biggest compliment you can pay Mellon and Dundee United is that they've won this game away to 3rd place Motherwell uh, from last season obviously without Lon and Shankland uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think when the team came out, um, certainly a couple of my Dundee United supporter mates were a wee bit kind of concerned. But um, if your main striker's out, then I suppose your captain's be as well be the one to step up. Um, I thought it was a very good performance from Dundee United. Um, obviously, I've just seen kind of going with the sports scene highlights. I thought they, but even in then, you know, you were able to kind of tell that they were very good. Motherwell were a bit all over the shop at the back. Um, I know we might come on to it, but Stephen Robinson was pretty scathing of his team for for that. So um, mm. 
Uh, yeah, I, I think it, I said it just a minute ago. It's quite significant. It, obviously, it's the first you know first time Dundee United been up in a few seasons, and just to get that win, I think like will really kind of help them going forward. I mean, you know, Fir Park is you know it it, it can be a difficult place um, to go, and it'd be quite interesting to see like how the away teams do get on while uh, behind closed doors. You obviously saw it in Germany early doors seem to be. An uncanny amount of uh, away results. So you know teams going there that you might be considered an underdog away from home to come in and you know just really take the game to to the home side. You know will will do them the world of good. And as I said Dundee United there. You know last season they were all about attacking and all that. Um, obviously in a in a weaker league. But if they if they were to come in with it, that kind of same mentality, um, this season then it. You know that you'd easily be seen as a top six team, providing they can keep the ball out of the net at the other end. I've already given up hope on Shankland and my fantasy team. I've literally, <laughs> in the last couple of hours, removed them. Uh, and I've gone for... In fact, I won't tell you, but let's just say it's another player plucked from the, the Scottish Championship last season who may or may not have scored a hat-trick at the weekend. Well, there you go then. I, um, so, uh, I had to keep him in because uh, I didn't see the, the team lines, obviously. It comes out before and all my subs had to go to the Aberdeen players. <laughs> and uh, So that, that was uh, that was me kind of humped. But uh, yeah, that, that said, certain... Uh, Former Dunfermline man came up for me as well, so happy days. But uh, I know what you mean, though. Yeah, it's, just that. It, it could be difficult, though. Sorry, just on that for Shankland, because you know he has kind of played in the Premier League, albeit sorry, in the Premiership, albeit like you know much younger than that, and just takes strikers time to to kind of get into it. And you know, there's still going to be a lot of talk about his future. So um, you know, going forward, it, it something maybe to look at for United games. Yeah. It's um, it's interesting. I think he cost me seven million or something in fantasy league. And I just <laughs> felt that I can't really afford to have spent that much on on a player who he seems to be a little bit injury prone. Maybe that's harsh. I don't know, but certainly he's not done a hell of a lot in the opening couple of weeks. Obviously, didn't even feature as we say in, on Saturday. However, Motherwell probably even more disappointed than Shankland after the weekend, and Stephen Robinson certainly not too happy. Interesting comments from him, Fisher, saying that his team were naive and um, that they effectively need to get more streetwise. They've only won one of their last 12 competitive matches, which is pretty damning statistic. Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen Motherwell three times this season, obviously the, the, the game at the weekend, their opening game, and then when they, they came to Ibrox for a friendly, and each time um, they've been really, really poor. Nothing like the Motherwell that we saw last season. They're just Dundee United just had so much more initiative I would like mm. I would say about their play they were just they were on the front foot they were creating chances Motherwell I thought were very reactionary they, they didn't do much I think Chris Long probably should score his chance with a header kind of later on but Dundee you know Dundee United as I say took the initiative started, put their stamp on the game and, and were by far the better team and that's really been the case I think in in, in those games that I've seen Motherwell played alright one of them was a friendly at Ibrox and I completely understand that it's difficult to draw too many conclusions but the game against Ross County I thought Ross County were a lot better as well and again at home against a newly promoted side I think Dundee United will do well this season but this is a game Motherwell should be looking to to show everyone that they're, they're just as good as they were last season and they look to have gone back several steps and I'm, I'm not entirely sure why at this stage um, 
the one positive I will say is uh, Trevor Carson probably made the save of the season so far um, from Dylan Powell's shot. It was an absolutely superb save onto the bar. But He's probably made about... the, the two of the season, hasn't he? Because he made the one at Ross County as well. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and if your goalkeeper making great saves is as good as it's getting for you, um, then, then that's worrying it. I don't think Mother will be in any trouble this season, but I think it could be a fairly flat um, campaign ahead if, if the opening couple of games are anything to go by. Yes, just interesting comments from Robinson saying that his his team are are young and they're inexperienced. And when you actually look at the the ages of the Motherwell side, there's there's a fair bit of experience. Maybe they are still relatively young in terms of games, but players like Alan Campbell, I don't know off the top of my head, but he's got probably sixty, seventy top flight appearances. Um, Declan Gallagher's got that or more. Um, Lammy players like that. These are players that um, that should be doing very well, and they're they're not playing at the level. Yeah, that's two players, Declan Gallagher and Lammy, that came from Livingston as well. Mm. That you would that the last thing you would accuse Livingston of being since they came up is is well, not streetwise. Well, come on, so it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a very bizarre kind of thing to say, and I get his point, but I mean, I actually thought that Alan Campbell maybe could have been sent off because he yeah uh, he leaves the foot in um in the second half on a challenge and on one of the Dundee United players that I thought was a bit um. He went right through kind of into the sort of groin area of the Dundee United player, which I thought he was maybe, I don't think he even get booked, which I thought he was a wee bit lucky with. But yeah, one of, I mean, you would never accuse a motherboard team under Stephen Robinson. And I know we discussed on, on this podcast before that they, certainly last season their football was a lot better and they maybe shifted away from yeah. kind of the up and at them uh, kind of style, if you like. But you would never have thought that you would be accusing a Stephen Robinson side of not being streetwise. So I would agree it is, it is a wee bit strange considering there hasn't been a large turnover of players really either. Yeah, I suppose they have lost. Uh, Peter Hartley's a big loss. And I suppose Tate as well in terms of being there around the club the last couple of seasons. But maybe they have to go back to being that horrible team that we absolutely <laughs> despised a couple of seasons ago and go back and do the basics. Um, another team that you could probably say the exact same for is Livingston because they've much like Motherwell, lost their second game on the spin, and this time really, really convincingly. 4-1, they were beaten at home by Hibernian. We'll come on to Jack Ross's side in a minute, but first off, um, yeah, Gary Holt, I think, reading out the same excuse book as um, his counterpart Robinson at Motherwell, saying that Levy have to go back to basics, that finishing top six last season and whatever it was the year before, seventh or eighth, doesn't mean anything this season. They've got to go back and um, basically fight for every game um, interesting, he singled out Marvin Bartley for praise saying that if everyone played like his captain and had the same hunger as his captain they would be okay So, um, Livingston obviously signed a, a fair few players Matt um, but they've got a lot of quality in that team as well from previous seasons so are we a little bit surprised that they've gone down to a 4-1 defeat at home to Hibs or is there also the element that Hibs are looking really really good? Um, probably Hibs are looking a bit better. I mean, all, the big thing for for Livingston, obviously, in the last two seasons, has been their home record. It, you know, every I think they've taken points off of every team like that have came here over the last couple of seasons. Certainly, um, uh, the big clubs. So really, they've got to look at that and kind of get back to that. It's rare that they go and concede a few goals. Um, I think to be fair, Hibs were pretty. Uh, I'll say Hibs Nesbit was pretty uh, kind of. Clinical um, up front, she'll say, and uh, really, they he's right. You know, they, they've they've got to kind of look at the last two seasons and go right. Well, 
you know, it's hard to build on that. But what we need to do is kind of find that consistency. And obviously, starting with that is at home. It is interesting, obviously, he singled it partly. He'd have given away the penalty. So, hey, for a really strange kind of foul almost, you know, he'd given that away. So it was a bit clumsy from him. Um, but yeah, they, they've got enough to kind of, to, to absolutely, to keep them up. Um, that'll be their aim, again, is just to kind of consolidate you know, get avoiding the playoffs if they can and then seeing what what can happen. But it's going to be a weird season with a lot of turns. So at the moment, I wouldn't be too concerned about them because they still have that firepower up front for now of, of Dykes, whether that um, kind of remains mm. in the next month or so, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I heard an incredible start on Saturday. Livingston, obviously, four goals conceded at home on Saturday. The whole of last season at home, they only conceded eight <laughs> in the league. Mm. Is Which is only, yeah. I mean, only Rangers in Aberdeen. Oh, yeah, only Rangers in Aberdeen won at Almondvale last season as well, which yeah. is yeah, it's kind of testament to how impressive a result it is for Hibs. So worrying, worrying stuff for Livingston, but Hibs looking really good. Um, Nisbet obviously getting the hat trick two weeks in a row. We've seen a hat trick in the top flight. Um, lots and lots for them to be pleased about. It's obviously really early days, Fisher, but they're they're looking good to be best of the rest at the moment. Yeah, I mean, out with uh, Rangers and Celtic, they look by far the best team in the league. I thought they were really, really impressive. They looked really dangerous, particularly on the counter. Um, really fast build-up play um, and, and really dangerous and, and a real pain to defend against. I mean, the ball from Horgan for um, for Nisbet's tapping, um, uh, the first goal, uh, is brilliant. Uh, and I just thought they were really good. I thought last week, although Kilmarnock probably were due something from Easter Road, I thought particularly in the first half, Hibs were really good. And again, um, I think Levy maybe came back into a wee bit just before they gave away the, the penalty for the fourth goal. But certainly in the first half, that that is Hibs is, is probably as we expect a Hibs team to be in the top flight. Uh, as I say, fast, um, aggressive, looking to put teams away. And, and as I say, with Nisbet coming up, I think... I probably heard more about Shanklin just because all we ever seemed to hear about was was how many goals Lauren Shanklin scored in the uh, in the kind of lower leagues. But I mean Nisbet coming up, he's got a fantastic record at Dunfermline, and um, his finishing uh, for the for the two goals out with the penalty was was really good. His movement to get into the right place. So yeah, I mean Hibs far and away at the moment um, certainly appear to be favourites as you say to be best of the rest. Yeah, I think they've done a lot of good business in the summer. Um, Gogic again, I heard was really good in in this game. So. Lots and lots of positive uh, for Hibs. They played Dundee United in midweek, which I, I think is shaping up to be a, an absolute cracker. Just finally from the Premiership action at the weekend, Hamilton nil, Ross County won. A late-ish goal from Billy Mackay sealing that one. Ross County had the worst defence in the whole league last season. They've now kept two clean sheets in the opening two games this season against both the Lanarkshire side. So plenty of positives there for them. Um, obviously they've gone to just having Stuart Kettlewell as their manager, Matt. And um, if you're treating him, you know, as a new manager in many ways because he's now only himself, he's made a pretty good start. Yeah, definitely. You can't argue with their with their big with their start. Sorry. So um, they just need to keep it going. I mean, it's always, you know, this. The start of the season, to me, still never really defines kind of where it where it's going to be. I remember one season, Hamilton were top after like October. Maybe it wasn't quite that far in, but you know, like, but it's good to get that momentum. And for him, obviously, coming in as you know on his own now, what will make a will make a real difference. And um, I really, really 
kind of good performance, a good good goal from Bill McKay. Actually, I know you know it's it's quite rare that the kind of the, the two or three rebounds actually go in. You know, there's always bodies in the in the line, but he, he took it finish, took his finish really well. And you know, Hamilton weren't really up to much last week. I know, obviously, going at Celtic's always tough. I mean, there was um, it's a lot. You know, it is it is difficult. You almost write those games off, but. For Aki's, these are the kind of games you do really want to be kind of winning early doors because, you know, the potentially, I say potentially because we don't know if the game's going to be on a Wednesday night, but they're playing Aberdeen and, you know, they, these games all of a sudden, if you kind of get cut adrift at the start of the season, it can really make a difference um, going forward and into like the kind of, if you look at the first international break as a, a kind of marker almost. Yeah, especially when you see Ross County on six points, one of the relegation rivals or so you would think at the start of the season and, and St Mirren obviously won their opening game as well so yeah a little bit concerning for Hamilton because if it's not going to be Ross County and it's not going to be St Mirren then who else is going to be down there with them maybe St Johnson but there's um it's already looking a little bit concerning for them after the start to the season um yeah well you kind of touched on your own team there Matt obviously the North St Johnson were playing at the weekend after that game was called off uh, well documented story you know eight Aberdeen players uh, first team players go out in Aberdeen um, not the weekend just passed but the weekend prior to that um, they end up with was it one or two positive two. coronavirus cases yeah two yeah in the squad um, obviously the city of Aberdeen um, going through a bit of a situation at the moment as well in terms of a local lockdown what well, as a, an Aberdeen fan as you are kind of overriding emotion in the whole thing is a you know a bit of frustration there with your players are you a touch embarrassed um it is frustrating i think i you know it, it's difficult because like you know f- footballers can always get held kind of higher up than maybe like end of the day they're just kind of regular mm. guys you know doing their job if you want to look at it that way but you know they should really be understanding what what the kind of sporting bubble if they like means like it is when you find the documents on it you know from the SFA, from the SPFL, you know, it is pretty clear, you know, they don't really, you kind of, you stick in your smaller groups. Um, I thought that, they, obviously, the player statement came out in, on Saturday and it was as as was expected, to be honest. Um, you know, and then John Hayes did an interview Red TV, which kind of, you know, taking the senior role, if you like, um, on it. Um, the fans are, the fans are obviously kind of cracking up in a lot of ways. I think their biggest I also think their biggest gripe is probably the fact that they went out after a defeat against Rangers. To be honest, um, you know yeah. it's, it is, it's poor. It's you know it's not great, but you know aside from that, the bigger issue is the fact that they've gone and caught this and it's spread because they've been, you know, they've been caught up in a in a cluster in Aberdeen. So um, the the fans at the moment aren't aren't pleased. I mean, the only the way they can do it is obviously do their talking on the pitches, like you say, but. When that when that happens remains to be seen. Um, to be honest, I think this game, while I think it probably will go ahead, I'm not. It's funny. I I don't think it should. I probably don't think the game should go ahead. To be honest, like if you're looking at it from a safety point of view, just purely off of well, you know, it's a you know it's a bit unfair. You know, <laughs> you know if Hamilton come up and then they're they're kind of mingling with these kind of you know players. But at the end of the day. It's a tough one, but I think from Aberdeen's point of view, like I actually think they need the games to go ahead. If you're thinking of it, just taking it in isolation as a football game, because the longer you go on without games, you've seen how rusty teams are at the start of the season as it is. You saw how rusty Aberdeen looked uh, against Rangers. They can't go four weeks without playing. You know, like 
the three weeks sorry without playing especially if you've got you know you almost have to kind of take these games and go right if you get anything out of them if you beat Hamilton because you're probably now looking at that maybe not probably quite favourites but um, it, it, it's tough Aberdeen have enough depth to go and beat a Hamilton Ackies I've no doubt about that um, especially when two of the players that were out were obviously already injured uh, Mickey Devlin and um, yeah. Sam Cosgrove but really you, you need to be looking at that I mean it, it, it could be a it could be a daunting task going to Celtic having this game called off um, but it, it, it's a tough one because as I said the fans are kind of it's not even divided I think this is something that Aberdeen fans finally agree on that, that players have been you know they've been foolish to go out um, and do do what they've done but at the end of the day it's happened you need to kind of you need to move on from this situation otherwise it kind of totally taints the season but you could be looking at you. You could yeah. be looking at a situation in a couple of weeks where Aberdeen haven't. have played one game. The rest of the teams around them have played it. And then I think Chris Boyd touched on this on uh, Sky yesterday. He said like almost like I mean his belief is that sport and integrity kind of you know if I, if these games don't go ahead, then you're looking at it and you're thinking right well you know Hamilton don't have that advantage. Sorry, if these games go ahead, then well Hamilton play that game. You know, and then or St Johnston didn't get that chance because you know it's a few weeks away, and, mm. uh, and you know there's a there's a lot kind of happening on it. And um, that, that's the thing I've got an issue with, it, and no one's explained this to me. But if the game on Saturday's called off at, at St Johnston, then why would the game on Wednesday? Mm-hmm. Why would the game on Saturday take place? Like I, I don't understand the the difference between yeah. those two matches. I, I don't know if it's a a government call. I don't know if it's a, a joint response group call, or, or probably more likely a um, you know a, a choice between the the two of them after conversations. But yeah, there's it was a very disappointing thing to see, and, and for me the most disappointing thing was the fact that the amount of experienced heads in that group of eight. Mm-hmm. And you look at players like you mentioned Johnny Hayes, Craig Bryson, Mikey Devlin, who I found out at the weekend is like I think he's like vice head of the, the PFA mm. or something in terms yeah. of players at the moment and he's mm. he's acting like that so disappointing um, I think they were just really negligent and they probably just uh-huh. thought that um, that nothing would come of this and to be honest if there hadn't been a spike in Aberdeen we would never have found out really yeah, possibly, uh, certainly yeah. that the players were, were out or it wouldn't have been half the issue but Fisher there's probably a lot of other teams and hierarchies at other clubs in Scotland that are breathing a bit of a sigh of relief that it wasn't them the ones that were found out yeah, I'm sure that is the case. I mean, I, I do have a certain degree of, of sympathy with the players, although they have obviously gone against the guidance. If you are a kind of young uh, professional sportsman um, who's earning significantly more than you know the majority of us in the country, um, I get that it can probably be quite hard to not want to go out and not want to enjoy yourself. Um, I would... I would agree probably with Matt that I'd have been fuming as well had it been kind of Rangers players out after the defeat regardless of whether we're in the midst of a global pandemic or not. But as I say, they went against the guidance and, and they've broken the rules. And as you say, I, I'm sure they weren't the only ones that were out uh, on that particular Saturday or indeed uh, the weekend just gone. Um, it's just uh, very unfortunate that there has been a significant spike of cases um, in the Aberdeen area. And it's just, I think, from a purely football perspective, it feels like we've finally got everything back. And I'm sure everybody was probably prepared for the odd hiccup um, along the way, but for it to be so soon and for games to start getting affected, it's just... it's. It's a bit of a kick in the stomach, to be honest, and I, I totally understand Aberdeen fans being absolutely furious. Um, 
but I do have a certain degree of sympathy with the players yeah. as well. But it's listen, it's a difficult, it's a difficult situation, and and I don't think, um, I, I I don't think there's any solution that's going to satisfy anybody in terms of games going ahead moving forward. It really is just going to have to be on a case by case basis. But I, I definitely wouldn't want to be the ones making the decisions on that. Yeah, it's it's um it's definitely worrying because I I think I heard someone use the analogy that we've effectively been given a yellow card for Sturgeon, and I think if we get another one, we could be obviously looking at our marching orders for season 2019 sorry 2020 2021 or, or certainly a, a bit of a suspension and things because she didn't seem too happy when she was given her briefing on I think it was Friday and um, just frustrating when you look and I know we don't like to compare ourselves down south but when you look at the way they managed to finish what was it 10 11 rounds of Premier League football and I get it's a different world but then you get two weeks in, not even two weeks in, one week into our new season, we're already calling games off. They didn't call a single game off, I don't think, in um, the Premier League, if I'm right in yeah. saying so, and we've already done I, it after I, two I, weeks. I think, I think with it, I think, I don't, whether or not Aberdeen actually asked for the game to be to, to be postponed or not, I'm not sure, but um, it's more just kind of, the timing of it was, right, well, I think Aberdeen do their, right, their testing on Monday or Tuesday or something when the players come in. I mean, it could change also depending on, on when they're in and that and then I, I think for for then to come out on a Thursday and then all this all so all breaks Aberdeen's already gone into lockdown and so on and um, you know yeah you, you have to kind of look at that and just think well Aberdeen or Aberdeen St Johnston game goes ahead it doesn't go ahead sorry because maybe Aberdeen don't have the kind of you know the sporting kind of integrity almost is like look we don't have the, the you know we, the the players kind of you know the tactics, everything that goes into preparation for a game is just thrown out the window. And but whereas they get that they get that kind of few days off, they'll well not off, but they'll probably know over the weekend looking at Aki's and going, look, we have to play this game because I think I think the players will want to play it. I think there's no doubting about it. Um, that they, they, they kind of need like a touchline just a minute ago. They need to kind of get need to get themselves going. Uh, they've not played enough football over the last five months, obviously. And you you touched on it just there, but in England, I mean, there were the occasional. You know, there was occasional case that popped up. You know, like high-profile players and so on. I think yeah. I think Kante had it in at Chelsea, and um, certainly wasn't training. Sorry, um, but obviously they might have the depth. They had the time to kind of adapt to that because maybe the season hadn't started yet at that point, and and so on. So, I th- I do think that this is maybe going to be an isolated incident in terms of games being called off, but um, it, it it just it just remains to be seen. I mean, we sit here on a Monday. Monday just now, I mean, <laughs> could totally change by the end of the day, could totally change by tomorrow, so... Um. Yeah, uh, we're not the only country that's suffering this. There's there's a big problem in um, the Spanish second tier at the moment with regards to uh, a team effectively having, I think, eight or nine COVID-positive uh, cases. So we're not, we're not the only country. There's loads of other ones that we've heard about in Europe as well over the last few months. Um, so I think we should remember that, but it, it's certainly disappointing so, so close into the new season. A um, couple of just brief questions. I'll just give you a, a yes or a no on this, uh, guys. I think we've covered the one from Lard O'Connor on Motherwell. He's also asking, will Hibs stop 10 in a row, Fisher? <laughs> no. Well, the way interesting, that you ca- yeah, interesting that you came to me first there. I had to think about that. I've <laughs> got, got a wee chance of where they're playing. Um, Lard O'Connor, will we see the return of Lee Griffiths at Celtic? I think so, although it maybe looks a little bit difficult at the moment well obviously touching that at the start of the, the show earlier that Griffiths is posted missing at the moment but um, I think if he can get over injury problems I believe he has and maybe stick to playing football and not organising 
parties for his misses, then uh, we could have a, a decent striker there. Um, yeah, a few other ones as well. Christy Sykes wanted us to touch on um, referees. Uh, I can't really remember too much about referees. Anyone get anything outlandish they want to say about any referees? Motherwell Ross County last week was was a pretty poor performance. I thought. Can't remember St. St Mirren probably should well definitely should have had a penalty yesterday at Ibrox yeah. to be fair I know Mark Cherry wanted us to raise that as well and I think he wanted you to talk about it Fisher <laughs> me well I, I, I agreed at the time with I was watching it with uh, formerly of this parish and current referee Ross Clark and we both agreed it was a penalty so I can't be fairer than that <laughs> yeah uh, just uh, I'll come to you as well Jairs fan 86 wondering about the Jack Kamara partnership he says it's allowing the Creative trio, um, obviously that's Kent, Hadji and Aribo, as well as the, the two full-backs to do a lot of attacking work. Have you been impressed with Jack and Kamara so far? Uh, well, they were certainly better yesterday, but I do feel, um, I, I think they're really good for European games, uh, albeit not not last Thursday, um, and for games against Celtic, um, and particularly t- kind of tough away, excuse me, tough away games uh, domestically. Um, but I, I really feel we do need to bring in um, another midfielder, as I mentioned um, earlier earlier in the in the show, because I just feel it's when Jack and Kamara get into the final third, they don't look comfortable. They were better yesterday; they were a lot better at it yesterday. But we need somebody from midfield um, that is going to contribute more goals, um, which is why I was maybe surprised that Arfield didn't start yesterday. Uh, and again, this probably goes back to my point about what Rangers should do with the uh, the Morelos money if he does go. But listen. Two good players, I, I do like them both, but I think for a game at home against St Mirren uh, and, and the like, um, no disrespect to them, uh, I think we need somebody somebody in there with a bit more attacking impetus, shall we say. Right, fantasy football time, burst ball league, 780 members in the league. Talk, top of the table is Lachlan Higgett, he got 65 points uh, First, sorry, week just gone. I think he did quite well in the opening week as well. So a total of 158. The highest score I can see just from browsing along is Marcos. That's the name of his team. Uh, 84 points he got this week. James Tavernier is his captain, weighing in with 30. Goldson got 12. Nisbet, 16. Uh, yeah, that, sorry, that was Tavernier with triple captain on as well. So Tavernier must have got 10, multiplied <laughs> by 3, which got 30. He also had Iacoviti and Laidlaw from Ross County, who both weighed in with seven. So pretty impressive stuff there. As we see, Lachlan Higgett is top with uh, 158. How did you guys get on? I had a very good week. Um, I had a pretty pretty poor week last week, but I, I came back with 64 points. Um, had quite a few goal scorers in there. It, 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 uh, Mark Reynolds is popping up. Um, it's pleasing to see. Um, uh, Ryan Christie was my captain, so scoring. Danny Rogers was actually my goalkeeper, but... Um, he still came in with two points. So, um, and then I had Nisbet as well. So um, the hat trick and even Dykes getting a consolation. So all in all, good week. I, I, I touched on it earlier on. Like my subs were made because of the Aberdeen fiasco. So I've got Kennedy, Hernandez and Ferguson sitting on the bench and I've managed to uh, get a couple of boys in for that. So um, I didn't actually know Alan McGregor was injured. So that was a um, that was a surprise when I, I realised that he was sitting on zero points for a, an injury, but um, sixty-four points in it in the in our wee private league that we've got going. I think I'm joint top now, so um, long way to go. So I'm I often give up fantasy league by October. So hopefully uh, I can stick it out a wee bit longer this nah, time. Nah, you're gonna have to stick around a bit longer this season, I think, <laughs> because it's going to be taken serious. I'm very impressed with the app. I get twenty-seven this week, which was the exact average for the entire 
um, player base. So mm-hmm. pretty impressed with that. Are you higher or lower than twenty seven fish? Uh, I got sixty two. Mm-hmm. Oh my um, word! But that's with an eight point deduction for transfers. Um, <laughs> which, uh, well, I had to get rid of a couple of Aberdeen players, um, and I get rid of Kyle McGuinness as well because he's he's injured, and I didn't quite realise what was going on until it was too late. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that wasn't great. But I mean, I had Barisic on as a triple captain, Hadji as vice captain, Goldson gets seven, Mark Reynolds gets thirteen points, which was uh, unex- yeah, unexpected. Yeah, so uh, I, I'm not too bad. I've climbed up a table in, in uh, most of the most of the leagues. So um, yeah, hopefully. Barisic has also been credited for the assist because I've seen folk cracking up about that. Um, but he's got ten points, so that must have meant he uh, presumably is it, or maybe not actually. I don't know. Is it? Ah, well, he, he assisted Morelos is third. Ah, right. So, Aye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, not Morelos. Sorry, Morelos is second, but our, uh, Rangers third goal. So, yeah, yeah, I did get an assist. Oh, that's good. I thought he'd actually maybe got two, but it was Tavernier mm-hmm. was the uh, was the corner from Morelos's yeah. first goal. Hey, Hamish, uh, it was good. Good point you just made there. Actually, on the app, um, I think it's been brilliant as well. Um, just the, the fact that it's live. Mm-hmm. Uh, when if you're looking at the scores, the, the live scores yeah, coming good. in is, you know, that like, you're not even the Premier League one in England has ever like kind of been that flush. So, um, long with that continue because it's. Um, I know that also last year they wanted to launch it, um, it didn't quite work out. But um, for this year, it's it's superb. You know, it, it kind of properly given it a right go, so which is which is good to see. Definitely, hopefully that continues for the rest of the season because it'll be very exciting. Right, as were the draws for the Champions League Europa League that were made earlier today. Obviously, we're recording on Monday. I say earlier today, the, the first Celtic one against Kia Reykjavik was made on Sunday. If Celtic come through that tie, which should be at Celtic Park, but I've heard could be a neutral venue due to uh, travelling restrictions that have been placed in Icelandic teams. Uh, if they get through that, they'll play either Jugarden or Ferenc Varos in the second qualifying round, and that one would be at Celtic Park. Europa League, Aberdeen versus NSI Runovic of Faroe Islands or Barry Town, <laughs> Gavin and Stacey, etc., etc., from Wales. And strangely enough, Motherwell, if, uh, sorry, not if they get through, Motherwell in the next round will play either Faroese opposition or British opposition as well because they've got either HB Torshavin or Glentoran. The good thing, all of those four ties that I talk about there, all of them will be in Scotland. So. Positives there for our teams. Hopefully, uh, the home draws keep going as we get later on. Obviously, Rangers in in the next round as well, because that will give them a good chance. And it goes without saying that we will cover those games extensively um, as they approach. They are only probably a week away, those matches. So, lots to get excited about there. The draw for the Betfred Cup group stage was also made as well. Some interesting stuff in there. I noticed Morton and St Mirren were in the same group. What was the one we were talking about earlier, Fisher? Breakin and Kelty Hearts, was it? Bre- uh, Breakin and Kelty seems to be like the hipsters' <laughs> favourite tie. Try to work out exactly them. what the, the aggro was there, but I think we've worked out the fact that Breakin were bottom of League 2 when Covid stopped the Scottish game and Kelty were obviously the, the Lowland League winners, so we're, uh, we're thinking that could be hostile, but probably not. <laughs> Without any fans. So. I was always a bit, uh, always a bit of aggro when, uh, when Barry and Bob Malcolm were involved, didn't I? So. <laughs> yeah, interesting stuff. Midweek games as well in the Premiership. Dundee United Hibs, uh, that's a six o'clock kickoff on Tuesday. St Mirren Celtic, six o'clock on Wednesday. That's due to the uh, Champions League or Europa League on in the evening and that not being able to clash with 
um, games being on telly at the same time. Then Wednesday evening, Wednesday night, Motherwell, Livingston, Rangers, St Johnson, Aberdeen, Hamilton uh, and Ross County, Kilmarnock as well. Four good games there to round off the midweek. Some interesting stuff. I'll just ask you quickly, Matt, what uh, springs out from those lists that I've just read out? Oh, that Dundee United Hibs game. Yeah, you'd imagine them. Yeah. The cup games as well. So they drew each other for the last season. So they've kind of played each other recently. So, um, could be could be an interesting. I mean, I think it sticks out obviously because they're the big clubs. But this is a proper test for Dundee United um, and and for Hibs, obviously, to see kind of where their kind of real credentials lie at the early start of the season. So I'll be looking forward to that game or any of the games on Sky. Yeah, Dundee United Hibs is on and St Mirren Celtic's on. So they're two, as I say, two six o'clock kickoffs. Mm-hmm. So a uh, strange kickoff time. Uh, takes me back a few years anyway, <laughs> but looking forward to that. Fisher, do you want to make any mega predictions for what we're going to see in midweek? Uh, I think, do you know what? I think St Mirren might give Celtic a couple of problems. Um, I don't think, I, can I just say categorically, I still think Celtic will win, but I think St Mirren could could provide uh, or could be quite tricky what Celtic going win like 6 nothing or something mm-hmm. now um, I think Motherwell Livingston's interesting because it's two of the kind of more impressive teams from from last year both have struggled although I think Livingston have probably shown more in the first two games than Motherwell and um, I think this is as I say it's very very early but it's a massive game for both of them to try and um, really kick start the season I feel like but some, some good games there Dundee United Hibs will be good as well um, but, but Motherwell Livingston I think is the, the most interesting one for me Great stuff Matt, Callum thank you very much for coming back on the podcast Maurice. we will be back later on in the week um, as we look back in the midweek stuff and, and go ahead to another weekend of football so many games coming thick and fast at the moment but loads and loads to talk about and there'll probably be some sort of an update on the Aberdeen situation as well as any other transfer rumours as well so thanks guys and thanks um, to you for taking the time to listen to this show if you enjoyed it please feel free to tell a friend you can also get us on Twitter at Burstball Podcast and we're on Facebook as well we would really appreciate if you'd follow us there until next time we'll see you soon Thank you.